Are you new to the Roundtable, perhaps new to the Jeep Talk Show? Well, welcome. The Roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You don't have to be invited. You just need a Zoom meeting link and a password. Everyone is invited because everyone has an opinion or something to share. To get the meeting invite information, subscribe to our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Wimby. There will be body damage. Chuck. I like making people laugh. That's, that's good for my soul. Chuck. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that's a huge deal. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. Well, tonight we're going to be having four Jeep-related questions. I think they're Jeep-related. Well, it's okay when they're not, but we try to do (laughs) Jeep-related. Please consider saying your first name and where you're located when you first speak. And I know some of you, Chuck's bad about this. He'll he'll say it every time he talks. That's fine. You can do that, too. Uh, We just uh, just ask for once. Uh, If you want to do it every time, uh, that's even better for the listeners. And if you're a listener, why the hell aren't you on the Zoom meeting? You ought to be here having fun with the rest of us. In fact, I think I'm going to start calling on people because we have people that are just kind of camping out here and not uh, joining in on the conversation. And I, I, I think they need a little nudge. I, you know, honestly, when I'm in a room and it's some sort of event, that's what I like to do is to sit there and, and listen. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak, especially with my smart ass. It, <laughs> it can go downhill really quick. It'll either go very well or it'll go very badly. So uh, I hate being called on, but damn it, uh, if I get called on, I will speak, and uh, hopefully uh, you will too. So don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but really, really would like to be able to hear your opinions. So uh, tonight we'll have four related Jeep questions. Please consider your saying your first name and your, where, where you're located when first speaking. Yes, it's that important. I said it twice. All right. Hi, Zoom people. Is everybody ready for Christmas? Absolutely. <laughs> no, and hell no. Really. <laughs> it's coming whether you are or not. That's true. Yeah, Very as ready true. as I'll ever be. Duke wants to know what snacks he's getting for uh, for Christmas, uh, Larry. Yeah, well, this is Larry from St. Louis, and Duke never stops snacking. That's kind of an issue. <laughs> He's he's not he doesn't like that's Duke behind uh, Larry if you're watching on the the uh, the YouTube live uh, the hat was no uh, was no prize for him if it's not a snack he doesn't care yeah he's not an amateur <laughs> all right so the first question tonight how do you feel about non wheeling based Jeep meetups. Um, I mean, I don't want to pick on anybody, but uh, I guess Easter Jeep Safari really doesn't fit into that thing. But how about the Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion? Uh, that's a, just, I've heard, Larry, I think I heard from you. It's a really, really fun event to go to, but uh, my understanding is there's no wheeling. No, no. once again, this is Larry from, Larry from St. Louis. So, no, there's so there are some wheeling events there, but primarily it's a show in China or a show, and it's uh, – it's more about the community, if you will, than it is the wheeling itself. But it's a really good event. I mean, I think I think it's good to have those type meetups as well. Not everything needs to be, you know, going out and beat on your rig, although it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun just to get out and just uh, enjoy the community part of it as well. And they've got vendors there as well, too. So you get to go around and look at vendors, see what they're selling, uh, interact with them, maybe bitch at them if you, uh, you didn't get good Absolutely. customer service. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a there's a ton to see and do there, and uh, if you're if you're bored there, you know you're in the wrong place. <laughs> you're in the wrong place, right? If you if you came to wheel, that's not your that's not it. But 
you know, Easter Jeep Safari is kind of the same thing, unless you're signing up for rides after, you know, this part of it. The show itself is just a show. This is uh, John, Central Texas. I think um, the one of the things about the, the non-wheeling-based events like that is that you can kind of make them into a pseudo-wheeling-based event. What I mean, like, I think like the Overland Expos they have every year in a couple of places, people will start out a couple of days beforehand and kind of wheel and overland on the way there to the event. So while the event itself may not be wheeling, you can turn it into your own little wheeling adventure with a, a huge vendor show at the end of it, right? For a prize or whatever. Um, but I think the, the only thing is, is it would seem like they would get a little repetitive because once you've been to one giant vendor based show, you've probably seen them all or pretty close. It's, it's what distinguishes them. I think things like Easter Jeep Safari, Jeep Jamboree, or the wheeling-based events, the destination gives you that that difference in them. So you can go wheel on West Coast, or you can go wheel, you know, somewhere up north. It gives you a wheeling destination to go to as part of the uh, the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of agree. This is uh, Gary from Ohio. Um, yeah, we kind of do a little bit of all that. Um, we kind of mix it up to the big events. You know, we went to. Uh, Jeep Beach at Daytona Beach three years ago. We're going again uh, next year. But they do have two off-roading days at a local park there. Um, but, yeah, we've been to some other big ones. Same thing. We like to mix it up. But we go to a lot of, lot of local uh, non-wheeling Jeep events. Uh, I'm part of a, a nonprofit Jeep organization in my area. So we do all kinds of fundraising events and get-togethers and things like that to raise money for our local veterans and animal shelters and things like that. But we talk about Jeeps and talk about our next wheeling trip during those things, whether it be we're at a bar, at a, you know, ice cream place or wherever we're at, a beach, wherever. It turns into wheeling talk, though. Oh, sure. And I, I would imagine it turns into a little bit of uh, show me your stuff. Like, oh, that's interesting. What did you do here? And uh, what did you add? Who made that? So on and so forth. Oh, Absolutely. So we're all focusing on the big ones. What about the people that like to meet up in parking lots every Friday night and stack tires? Oh, Applebee's events. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we yeah we have those here. We we do those here. Yep. There's a uh, local bars like five minutes from me every Thursday night during the summer. It's where pe- people kind of go and hang out and stuff. So it's we we have those definitely here. Those are fun. We used to do that uh, way back whenever we would have uh, local meets for xjtalk.com, a little uh, forum that. Uh, that we ran and uh for the local guys and i say local we had people driving uh, over an hour to come uh, hang out at a sonic restaurant on uh, i think it was the first saturday of the month and uh, it was fun and we even uh, pulled in a few people from uh, off the street just uh, drove over there i remember our first month i saw my first uh very well lifted two-wheel drive cherokee <laughs> i couldn't believe it was a two-wheel drive but I guess they made them, or you could, uh, you know, put something on there to it's make it a dual drive. It wasn't red, Steve. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been blue. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we have we have an event here in uh, in Missouri called uh, you know, the More Off Road uh, Off Road uh, Expedition. So they've got a s'more to more ride. You meet at the. Uh, meet at the off-road parks more and you ride into the expo which is kind of nice it kind of blends the two a little bit yeah so steven chicago there's there's a lot out here there's a bunch of facebook groups they do a bunch i'm not really in chicago i'm in the western suburbs but they do a lot of downtown chicago lakefront jeep runs right 
you know what? I just have no desire to take my Jeep into the city where there's just too much shit that can go wrong with people in this world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> too many carjackings, uh, catalytic convert. That's, it's a little easy to get under the lifted Jeep and rip that out, right? So. Well, Steve, have you put a pin on a pin code on your uh, JL yet? I mean, you know, it, that, that defeats people from stealing or carjacking. <laughs> Doesn't prevent them from trying, though. <laughs> but no, I don't have them. I, I use the um, oh, J Scan app. I don't right. have a taser. So. Well, that's how they get you. They add features yeah, that uh, one well, doesn't have yeah. over the other. Yeah, I agree. I think the pin but, thing is just really funny. But there's sometimes they'll do like, you know, a, a charity ride in the area where you might pay $30 that goes to the local food shelter. And, and that's a lot of fun, especially if it's the first warm day in the year, right? On a nice oh, weekend, yeah. you, can, you, you can take the doors, you can take the top off. I mean, let's face it, people are itching, especially up here in, uh, you know, the northern climates. That first oh, yeah. day you get you get that, that opportunity to go naked, you're, you're ready to go. It doesn't matter what it is. You can be sitting in a mall parking lot. You want to get out there with your Jeep and have fun. I know exactly what you're talking about, Steve. Down here in Southeast Texas, we're looking at 51 degrees right now. I am very much <laughs> looking forward to uh, springtime. <laughs> that is spring for us. I figured you'd enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh, that, that, so we do have events that aren't wheeling, but it kind of sounds like all these things sound fun to me. They get expensive, so this, too. Sorry, this Jim, is so. Chip from Illinois. This is but, Chip from Illinois. I, you know, the non-wheeling Jeep events. So we have a local club that cruises down into Indiana and goes through a bunch of the covered bridges. We stop for lunch, and then we end up at a barbecue place oh, after yes. we're all done. And it's <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you actually get to drive over some of the covered bridges, and just it's great scenery, but we're on roads. Some of them gravel. I think we did ford a little creek that was on our, one of those really gravelly roads, but, you know, it's not off-road. And then, of course, you talk about other Jeep events like the shows. Um, you know, our local one, I, I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, but we did a, a fundraiser for uh, K9, Mission K9 Warrior raising money, and we had about 150 Jeeps at our Jeep show. And they had a – well, they had a – obstacle course there but it was mostly just a show and and we had vendors and sound auctions and raised about fifteen thousand dollars for service dogs but i think you know there's a lot of people what do, what do they say five percent of the jeeps go off road so the other 95 percent of the people still like to drive their jeeps around mm -hmm. and i would Steve, i would venture to guess that one in lamont the, they've got the jeep they've got a car show every wednesday in lamont and one of the one of the weeks it's a jeep focused event yeah i've I haven't made that one, even though it's about you know twenty minutes away. It's just it always with the kids at their age right now. That if it's not dance, it's choir. If it's not choir, it's band. If it's not band, it's something else, right? Jeep. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I did get my kids involved in Jeep. My daughter loves uh, vinyl records, and they have this Jeep meetup at this vinyl record store. So now you're talking my language. Well, it, it cost me a lot of money to get vinyl that number one I can't listen to. <laughs> nor do i want to listen to so it's very expensive those meetups for me it's money i could be spending on g parts this is josh in oregon one of my favorite uh non-jeep jeep events or non-wheeling jeep events i should say uh was god this was back in 2010 uh 2011 somewhere around there where um we did a big toys for tots run uh so it was a big toy collection with the local uh jeep club uh chapter of the jeep club that i was a member of and uh 
and we've got, I mean, a fair amount of activity and, and, and people joining in and donating and stuff like that. And so much the so uh, so much so that it took uh, like two or three XJs completely full of toys to deliver this batch that we had uh, over to the local Les Schwab. We had a news station meet us there and stuff like that. So it was this huge, huge, huge donation of toys that was just, I mean, I don't know. It was it was pretty big, and I thought it was uh, it was pretty cool that a four wheel drive club, an off road club, a Jeep club of all things came together and was able to produce all these toys to give to charity. And, uh, and so we made a big deal about it. Outstanding. You know, we just we just did that here, a big toys for Todd. We had almost 250 Jeeps show up, raised almost 2,200 toys. And we did the Goodyear uh, Blimp Hanger in Akron, Ohio. And uh, yeah, you got to actually drive through the uh, Blimp Hanger. The Blimp was in there, it was all decorated for Christmas, had Santa Claus, all the Marines in there. They'd come to your Jeep and un- take the presents or toys out of your back of your jeeps and everything you got to drive through the hangar and everything was all you know christmas themed santa claus and everything was in there yeah, it was a great great thing it gets bigger every year started with like 15 jeeps three years ago and it's up like 250 jeeps now that's awesome that's awesome you know what gave us the uh, the inspiration for this in the first place was some other jeep club through an event like a show and shine in october in the northwest like yeah. who the hell does that you know, it's raining. Who does a show and shine in the rain, you know, in the middle of fall, you know, borderline a winter in the Northwest. But these guys did. And they had a, uh, you know, somebody from uh, the Marines come out full, you know, full dress uniform uh, to represent, you know, for Toys for Tots and everything. And, and, and that was, that was, I mean, they, I mean, full pomp and everything, man. I mean, they had the trailer and the, and the everything there. Um, and I was like, man, this is, this is really something else. And I mentioned it to the club and it just sort of snowballed from there. And it's all because of this one other, like, and I don't think the Jeep club is even around anymore. Some little club up in Vancouver. I have no idea. I don't remember the name of of, uh, what the club was, but they threw this little event and, you know, no vendors. There was a couple local sponsors and stuff that showed up, but uh, it was out in some, you know, vacant parking lot in downtown Vancouver, Washington. And, uh, uh, yeah, and just so happened to have a Toys for Tots rapper there. And so that spawned that idea. And that's all it takes, you know, get involved with your local Jeep club, uh, a little event like this, and it spawns an idea, and somebody else takes it and snowballs out of control, and there you have this huge donation of toys for people in need. Yeah, that that's inside the hangar there. I don't know if you can see that on my picture or not, but that's us driving into the hangar with the blimp in there. That's cool. Did you touch the blimp? That's really cool. You know, you guys no. are talking about <laughs> the rides that we, we go. The other thing that we do is on Veterans Day, our local Jeep club takes about, I don't know, 20, 25 Jeeps, and we do a, a small parade just driving through the VA, and then we drive through the Memorial Cemetery that's next to it. And it's just it's a nice tribute. We typically have, you know, flags hanging off the Jeeps and go slow, and they bring the, the patients out in wheelchairs if the weather permits. and. Um, that's cool that's really it's cool. just a really nice event and the va just loves it so they do something kind of like that but for the kids up uh here at ohsu uh i think it's where dorn becker's hospital for children or something like that uh, oregon health sciences university ohsu um and uh there's a big local motorcycle club that does a teddy bear run and so you've got like you know 150 harleys all with various shapes and sizes of teddy bears, all rolling up the hill 
up to this hospital for children. Obviously, it makes a huge ruckus and racket. Um, but you know, it's it's pretty cool. I know it's not a Jeep thing, but uh, but nonetheless, it got got me in the spirit. Well, you can't help, especially this time of year, uh, being happy for things that help people out and doing something for other folks. And if you can enjoy yourself at the same time, all the better. And I and I think everybody here knows that uh, Josh, who was just speaking, is. Uh, uh, one of the co-hosts, uh, the, well, actually the first co-host of the Jeep Talk Show from way back when, before it was even called the Jeep Talk Show. Josh, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, like I said, I think everybody here knows who Josh is, but I figure our listeners out there uh, may not. Uh, and uh, the, your voice sounds different on uh, on the Zoom than uh, what it does when you're in the studio. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking through a Bluetooth device while I'm peeling potatoes in the kitchen. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Is that for dinner tonight, or are you uh, hitting uh, the the Christmas uh, setup uh, early? Oh no, this is this is for dinner tonight. So uh, yeah, dinner is uh, part of it's in the stove already, uh, in the oven already, and the, and the rest of it's being prepared as we speak. Well, it's a shame you're already married. I, I just I'll just say it for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I mean, it sounds like to me, I mean, at least for what, what I'm getting here is, is it sounds like everybody uh, doesn't mind whether it's a wheeling event or go out and interact event. Because, I mean, I, that really is, the, the, I mean, even when you go wheeling, you're interacting with other people uh, there that are going off road. I mean, especially when somebody breaks something and there's nothing to do but stand around and watch somebody fix the uh, the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's move on to a new one. How do you handle storing your Jeep for long periods of time? I had never had this uh, this issue until uh, recently when I got the uh, the Gladiator. Now I have a an XJ that gets stored for a long period of time. Does anybody here besides uh, John? I think John takes his uh, his Jeep out once uh, once a month uh, just to uh, drive it around a little bit. All, putting all that money into it, he likes for it to be seen. <laughs> This is Roger from Wisconsin. I got a, a TJ that is being stored in my garage right now. And that one, I just leave it on a tender with a bunch of dryer sheets in it and the mothballs. And that's it. I don't want to drive it in the winters. So. What, what do the dryer sheets do? Keep it smelling good? It helps, helps keep the mice out. Oh, interesting. I've done that for years. They even... Without mothballs, just just dryer sheets, bounce dryer sheets. I used to put them in my boat that was outside. I mean, I had it wrapped, but it was outside. The Jeep in the garage, I've had stored other stuff. And I know there's mice in the area, but never had any problems. Very cool. Dryer sheets seem to work. Has anybody uh, had any issues with uh, a uh, trickle charger? I think you called it a tender. Uh, Messing up a battery after long periods of time. Is there anything special you have to do to it to take it off and let it drain down occasionally or uh, maybe uh maybe the, the, the my battery just went bad on me i go I through batteries had, way too often i will say that i had an issue with a triple charger and an, a yellow top optima battery uh and it just didn't seem to have the the amperage enough to to uh to keep that battery up and and dinner's uh, done fries are done <laughs> josh, yeah. josh has got to go <laughs> No, that's the, that's the tri-tip in the oven. I got to adjust the temperature. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that, that trickle charger just didn't quite have the juice to, to, that the yellow top wanted. And, and what should a battery that should have lasted at least, you know, five, six plus years or, or better, uh, barely lasted three. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, in, in, uh, I, my situation might have been unique. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was like, a, I think it was a 
a three-quarter amp charger. It might have been a full amp charger. I can't remember now. Uh, I gave it to a friend after that, and I was like, here, you can have this charger. I, you know, so I don't have it anymore. Was it a no it was it was a it was a battery tender brand so it's the one that's supposed to designed to, to to go into a float mode when the battery is fully right. charged right so i mean there may have been something wrong internally i don't know the leds on it always told me that it was fully charged you know it was it was you know yeah. either charging or charged um so as far as i knew the device worked uh but it just yeah, and I've heard that the yellow top Optimas are really amp hungry batteries. So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not buying Optimas anymore. I've had too many problems with the red tops and uh, the even the yellow yeah, tops. Uh, less so, yeah. but even with the yellow tops. Yeah, my Wagoneer is stored most of the year. I only take it out occasionally while I'm slowly rehabbing it. And uh, I seem to go through a battery every, every two years or three years because it's a shun a trickle charger all the time. And half the time I forget to disconnect the battery because I've got a parasitic draw that I just haven't hunted. You know, I, I thought I got rid of it when I replaced the amp meter because it's the normal place in the Wagoneers. But no, my battery was dead again when I went back out there. I had to charge it up and then disconnect it. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if you guys are just having bad luck with, with tenders because I, uh, I stick it tender on my semi on most weekends i stick it used to have a motorcycle that sat all winter long like the battery and that thing uh, i think i had that thing in there for almost eight years never had any problems with it i put one on my four-wheeler all summer long because my four-wheeler only gets used in the winter time i've never had any problems with them well i didn't i didn't really have a problem with uh, my battery in the xj it wasn't uh, it's a 2018 battery or was i've replaced it um, I never had a problem with it until uh, about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer, of being uh, on the trickle charger. And uh, then I went out there to, I think I was trying to get something out of it or, or something or another and hit the, the, the remote button to unlock the door and it just wouldn't react. Figured it was the battery went dead in the remote again and uh, went and replaced the battery and it still wouldn't work. So I uh, <laughs> cracked the door open waiting for the alarm to go off and it didn't and the dome light wasn't on and so on and so forth. So it was time to break out the um, the voltmeter because uh, the uh, the trickle charger was on it and i thought it was uh, it was charging it, it keeps it a good uh, 13 13.8 volts all the time or 13.6 i think i got a question for you when you're putting it on the tender are you leaving the battery hooked into the vehicle or are you unhooking the battery from the vehicle and then putting it on the tender obviously hooked into the the vehicle because of the whole thing about the uh, yeah, the, the, I, the alarm system and everything else oh uh, Anything I've ever put on a tender for a long period of time, I generally unhook the battery first. So the battery's the only thing the battery's hooked to is just the tender, not the tender and the vehicle. What's the what's the benefit for that? Now, and I'll mention you ten. Just mention this to you. Tender is an app that uh, a dating app type thing. I think <laughs> you might want to. Well, that's all right. You might want to battery ma maintainer, battery whenever tender, whatever whenever you're, you're talking to people and you're talking about tender, you might uh, you look at you funny. That might be why. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you're from so, Chicago, you you drink pop and not soda. So what's the difference? <laughs> oh, soda's better, absolutely. So, uh, what do you think? You're thinking that uh, the the draw on the other stuff inside the the vehicle is not going to allow the battery to charge properly. What's the what's the reason for taking I, it, taking it off the, I, the the vehicle? I'm just just totally eliminated. Just uh, isolating the battery from the vehicle. I mean, I don't know if that does does anything 
if it's better or not, but that's just the way I've always done it. And, well, no, it races And you're saying, and you're saying it lasts vehicle, a long time. The battery lasted you a long time doing it that way. So that's that's good information. Was that yeah, the vehicle could have a parasitic draw that that is greater than what the trickle charger can produce. So if your trickle charge is only like a half amp or three quarters of an amp, which a lot of them are in down in that range, your trickle charger may not uh, be able to overcome something like a parasitic drain that is happening in the vehicle that you may otherwise not know about if you're out there starting the vehicle every two weeks, month, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think what yeah. I'm going to try doing is uh, taking the the trickle charger off of it. Uh, I have to set a damn schedule or something, but you know, every, they, you get all that stuff on your phone these days. Uh, and let it sit for a few days. Uh, go out there, start the uh, start the Jeep. I need to start uh, start it more often anyway, because uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw the video where I pulled the the main uh, plug wire so I could uh, bring up the oil pressure uh, in the engine before actually starting it. Uh, so I probably need to get uh, in the habit of starting it every couple of weeks anyway. But uh, I think I'm going to start take take the uh, the charger off the battery uh, for a few days, maybe a week, maybe two, so it's just not always on charge. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad idea. I my, my TJ sits a lot because it's usually I you know, use it for wheeling or Sunday mid summer. But uh, yeah, I have to go out and start it every week or two if I don't move it just to keep it keep it fresh and everything. Oh, lots of uh, lots of good information well, here. Never, different ways of looking at how to do the same thing, which is great. Never a bad idea to start it up once in a while. Anyways, that way if you guys seals or anything, they're not getting dry. So let me let me propose a question then for those who are. Uh, maybe have a weekend wheeler or something that only comes out every so often or something like that. How many of you guys running a fuel stabilizer? Oh, that's a good one. Never. Been doing it for almost 15 years. Never ran fuel stabilizers and anything. No. I do. I was a little concerned about that with the XJ because the, 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 the fuel in there is over a year old. It's uh, over a year and a half old. Maybe getting close to two years. And I was yeah. really happy it started right up. <laughs> Is it worse if you uh, are running some, since we switched to the ethanol-based fuels, right? I mean, once we switch to that, that stuff, I always worry it's going to kind of make deposits and gum stuff up and everything else if it sits for a long time. The other big problem is it causes, it lets uh, a lot of moisture build up in the in the fuel if it sits too long with the ethanol-based crap. And I just want to drive 45 minutes to fill up my Jeep. And it is crap. Usually, if I'm going <laughs> to park something over the winter, I'll... Um, I'll run out the fuel that's in it or I'll take the fuel that's in it out of it, and put it in like something that gets driven on a regular basis. And then I'll, I'll either, uh, either put some 91 in there with some, uh, sea foam or in my motorcycle, I used to put some 100 low lead from the airport in there. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember is, was, uh, it seems like I read something or heard something about, uh, the ethanol, uh, mixture causing problems with some of the lines, you know, like the, um, not neoprene, whatever the, the rubber hoses are for the gas lines. Does anybody, that sound familiar to anybody? I'm hoping no. I'm hoping it's just me who think hearing wrong. Oh, it's very bad, Tony. Very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know anything about that. Good, 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 good. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is one Larry was disappointed that we didn't get to last week because uh, I know he was uh, really interested in this, uh, him having a black Jeep. Do you think light-colored Jeeps are safer than dark-colored Jeeps? 
Now, Steve, you're an ex-police officer. You would probably think that a light-colored Jeep is safer for traffic accidents because they're less likely to get hit because they're more visible on the road, even especially at night. Nobody's fucking paying attention on the road. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, that's why you need a bright color. Yeah, yeah I mean, Steve. It's just, <laughs> yeah. In fog. So, I don't know. I'm assuming you'll get fog. Like, really bad in chicago as well being close to the water there but um the other morning we had really quite a bit of fog come through and i was out in the jeep and i had like two or three people almost pull right out in front of me and my i've got a darker colored jeep it's not black but it's definitely a darker color i actually threw my rock lights on like i was just i figured i just want to make myself as visible as possible right so I just kind of threw them on or whatever on there because there were so many people kind of going i, would, I don't know if a lighter colored jeep would have battered in the fog point right there i think maybe it kind of washes but um it'd be honest with you you get like those geckos or the um what's the the gecko green what's the other one that um mojito the mojito lime be honest with you all right it's done somebody's Uh, back it up (laughs) but if if it draws more attention to yourself you might have somebody staring at it and if they're staring at it they're not paying attention to the road that's true. Quite, quite, well, quite honestly, they're probably not going to hit you though, which is which is well, good. yeah. But you look at you know <laughs> up here, the big thing is I'm sure it is everywhere. Is everybody decorates their jeeps for Christmas time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's cool and everything, but there's a reason why it's illegal on the road. I was going to say it's illegal. I don't think a lot of people know that it is, but people do it, and then people's attention is drawn. And I can't tell you how many times that during a traffic accident. I detested directing traffic because if I ever heard the brakes lock up and squeal from <laughs> yes, behind me, yes. the, the hairs on the back of my neck, would, I was an instant just holy shit. And then you hear the crash or is it going to hit me? But that, it's got everybody's seen it. The accident, everybody's, and we all squeal. And I'm the same way. I criticize people for, for the gawkers block. I do the same thing too, right? Because sometimes it's just pretty cool shit what you see, right? Mm-hmm. But that's, distractions on the road or the obviously in cell phone industry will deny all they fucking want but it's uh it's a big problem so if it happened here it happened here just not even 15 20 minutes up the freeway from me uh on i-84 this morning uh state patrol had pulled over some sort of a traffic stop that traffic stop caused two accidents one of them a fatality yeah and that's any kind of distraction. I know this is getting well beyond, you know, like colored Jeeps, but anything that's out of the ordinary that draws people's attention away from the road is, is a distraction. So, so going so, back to what John said about uh, he's driving down the road and he thinks that people ought to be able to see him. I remember stating several times, John, when I was driving the XJ, people pulling out on me, it, clear days. Absolutely, there's no reason for it. Uh, just clear days pull out in front of me for something and i'm and I, I literally say is this jeep not bright red enough for you i mean it's lifted it's got big tires it makes noise not that necessarily they're going to hear it and uh it's got brighter than normal lights on the front of it if it's uh if it's evening or, or nighttime i just don't know what people are doing uh whenever they're driving i mean uh, i think i think bones. you could put a strobe light on top of it and it's still for some people it still wouldn't be noticed <laughs> that's true <laughs> they're all on their phones it doesn't matter i oh, almost I got s- ran off the road and the other day while i was driving you know hope on 40 inch tires bright blue broad yeah. daylight because she was weaving lanes worse than a drunk person and i looked down at the, down the passenger side and there she is like face like covered completely over the road with oh, the i phone saw up, up in front of her i saw someone who was using a two-door jail 
sitting in the turn lane next to me because it was a double turn lane. It's at night, so I can see her clear as day. She had the phone mounted right above the steering wheel <laughs> on the dash. And she was, it wasn't like she was watching a program, an actual show, or I don't know what that, but it was like, and then as they start to move, as the light turned green, they're, they're, it's still playing. I'm like, you got you get, oh, I just, some people need to be slapped. Sorry. Well, or, or the airbag needs to go off and then the phone is implanted in their, their forehead. Well, this was behind <laughs> the steering wheel on the dash. Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking like but, right there on the airbag. Not in, not where the, this, the, the display is literally physically on top. Right. So it's a, it's a line of sight in their line of sight. Yeah. I, th- I it's think it's got to have a state of law where we, where we bedazzle every steering wheel of people to get caught using Claymores. their phone while they're driving. Claymores, yeah. <laughs> so that we can turn their steering wheel into a Claymore for when they're, they, maybe they'll give a damn then. Oh. Yeah, but then somebody's got to clean it up. Yeah, that's true. So I was thinking what would really be cool, it's highly illegal, but you can get these things on eBay, I believe. Uh, cell phone jammers. I thought it would be just a fun thing for cell phone jammers when you go into a theater and people are on their cell phones. Oh God, yes. Or, <laughs> or people waiting at a stoplight that are that don't seem to go until you know the commercial ends or something. You know, it's just it would be so cool just to remove all that access. It's uh, called so, an EMP, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I still want to use mine. That they, <laughs> that they did that. They actually put a jammer in it with a production floor uh-huh. until legal until legal found out about it and then that thing couldn't that thing got ripped out and thrown out so fast they couldn't get to it quick oh, enough oh fcc will fine your ass big time oh yeah, yeah. i yeah, have a they could totally put it jammer. in a cage i have a cell phone jammer on my semi it's called a train horn <laughs> <laughs> you try to hold a conversation with that thing going off next to you <laughs> You know that that there's a, there's another way around that, Tony. You can get around the cell phone jammers being illegal. We just need to put Faraday cage mesh around everyone's Jeep or cars. Well, no, Jeepers should be able to do it. Cars should be the Faraday cages, right? Well, and then if, only if you're plugged in. My favorite is when you see like the the you know the brand new Mercedes, and the person is is like talking on the phone in front of their face with the, <laughs> oh, the God, bottom yes. up at their face. It, like, I know you have Bluetooth. I know that car that's yeah. you know, 80, 90, 100,000 dollars has Bluetooth in it. Can you hook up the Bluetooth but, so you're but, not putting the you, phone in front of your face? But you have to pair it. You have to pair it. And and uh, my uh, my daughter uh, worked for a Mercedes dealership uh, dealing with individuals. She since uh, changed to another department. And they don't know how to do things. They bring things uh, if they if the uh, TPMS system uh, is so tire low, they bring the, the Mercedes in to get the, the, the tires oh. aired up. Now, you're IT, Tony. You ever talk to a, an IT person that works in a hospital that deals with doctors? No. The stories, I the, show here. The stories are hilarious. Oh, there there you go, Jimmy. Because <laughs> doctors, you, you think that they're the most, most intelligent when it comes to like technology. I knew a guy who was IT in a hospital. He said it's just, he, he's been in four different jobs. The hospital was by far the most entertaining for what these doctors No, They, they know do. how to do one thing. Mm-hmm. One thing. It's right. fix people. That's it. There are yeah. doctors that know how to do more, but most of those doctors are, well, they had, had a life before they became it. Most of them are in school for so long, and they were so focused on just becoming a doctor, they don't know how to use their phones, they don't know how to use, they don't know how about anything about insurance, nothing. Like, they, they, they need they need the support of the hospital to exist. It, and no, I'm, Jimmy, and I, you're, you're, you're 100% right. I had a roommate one time who had a girlfriend, three master's degree, working on her fourth, was dumb as a box of rocks. Oh, yeah. 
We're at risk of someone saying, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way to kill the, the discussion, Larry. Yeah, I try. I do what I can. You know, Tony, I thought you were going to say that red Jeeps, you know, the only way to go for safety on the road. Oh, I think uh, bright yellow, uh, bright red, because there are such things as uh, dark red, like maroon, which I don't consider to be red at all. Uh, the, uh, the like the, the bright green ones. I think all Jeeps should be bright colors, uh, e- even if it doesn't uh, help you in uh, accidents. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll buy that for a dollar. So even the dark reds that say they're red? Oh, I hate that. This is me on. The JKs, the early JKs that were deep cherry red? I don't know. I'd have to see one. Yeah, you can go look at Maybe that's the problem. I couldn't see it. Here you go. More Let's lights. Put, that's the that's the key. There we go. I there can get behind that. <laughs> no, no, not lights. Uh, you know, this is a side question. Uh, John, you mentioned uh, turning on your rock lights because people weren't seeing you. Does anybody know if those are illegal to, to use on the road? I mean, we, we mentioned Steve mentioned uh, Christmas lights. How about rock lights? And they've still got to follow the rules, right? So you, you can't have white showing in the back. You can't have red showing on the front. Yeah. But they've got to follow the, the the normal light laws or whatever. So, but mine are amber on the outside. So mm-hmm. I'm just turning on essentially side marker lights like you would have on an 18 wheeler running down the road or whatever, right? So it's it's not. I, I don't see how that's illegal. Yeah, as long as they have a policy between green and blue, uh, red and blue, that's a bad thing, right? Oh, very much so. Well, anything flashing or moving lights, technically, but technically under the law, moving lights are illegal, right? But now you see like all the sports cars, the Mustangs have. The the the, the yeah. break the turn signals that are moving right. They're, they're, oh, it's I figured gray that was okay. It's, gray, it's a gray area. Well, it depends yeah. on the state. And okay. the doing that since the sixties. Yeah, yeah. I think they get away with that because they're sequential. So it's yeah. one light at a time instead of repetitive flashing or strobe. Oh, what's, what's highly legal are the halos, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The the colored halos, right? Yep. I, I think you can do white. You can. White, yeah. white, white, white's a daylight, uh, same as a uh, daylight same running with lights. amber. You can do amber. You can. But, yeah. But definitely don't red or any other colors than that off the front. Yeah, I don't know if people, um, people are just uh, doing it because they want to or if they don't know any better. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Probably a good answer for most things. Yeah, yeah well, unfortunately, a lot of the law enforcement officers don't know the rules either. Yeah, that, that that does happen. My so, wife got pulled over for having a a little a little fourteen inch light bar in the front of her vehicle, and it's all one light with six LEDs. And the officer told her that she had six lights on the front of her vehicle instead of <laughs> one when it's actually one. And then she tried telling me that she you can't have more than four. You can only have four front facing white lights on a on a vehicle in Wisconsin, and I looked up the statute, and it was actually, you can't have more than four front-facing white lights with more than 300 candle power, which added up to be about 3,600-some-odd lumens. You can't have them on. You can, as long as they're under, in, well, in Wisconsin, yeah. you can, as long as they're under 300 candle well, power. You, you can put it as much as you want on, you just can't use them. No, and in Illinois, can't, can't, you can't put white front forward-facing lights if they're higher than your headlights, is my understanding, unless Correct. they're covered. 
Correct. Yeah. Well, in California, that life bar has to be covered regardless. If it's not covered, that's ticket time. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's some I, states. I, that I learned like that, that from Mike Zinn. Yeah, because huh. he told me about that. He said, yeah, if, if that life bar is not covered, that's ticket. So somebody needs to come uh, out with a, uh, a remote flip uh, for the covers. In Wisconsin, they, well, when the, when the lady had uh, pulled over, she said that the light bars were illegal, which light bars are not illegal, but there is in the statute that says that you can't have lights above 54 inches, which on a Jeep, 54 inches, uh, if you're across the windshield, top of the windshield, you're above that 54 inch mark, which is where that fell in there. We need to well, get it, more it, Jeepers it, in the legislatures of, uh, of these states and fix it, this it, crap. It's like everything else. There, Wherever you guys work, I'm sure you've all encountered people that are on power trips, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know plenty of cops that were just total power trip. Mm-hmm. And it, they're going to use it for something else. But if they if they find something else, it's definitely going to write it because it's probable causes what they used to stop you in the first place. Well, right? it's... It's all, in, it's all in, up to them and their, their interpretation of the law, too. I've been dealing exactly. with that for my entire career. Yeah. Well, at least until you go in front of the judge. So, so the, the light systems you've got, those ones that you can push a button and it changes color, I think they're, call, they're called LBGTQ. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the face. Send all comments to <laughs> RGB. I think you forgot a plus. Oh, RGB. I, I get confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's... Was there, that's, was there some point pink flamingos That's in there 2022, uh, Jeff. Uh, so, people, so lots of people they. confused these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, great poker face, man. That was a really good poker face. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's been practicing that one with the wife. I can tell. Oh, gee. All right. So let me ask you uh, our next question. How to limit the travel of your suspension? Does anybody have that issue? Is anybody concerned about that that wants to do it or think they need to do it? Uh, I mean, I think for the majority of us, uh, the shocks handle that that suspension, limiting the suspension travel. But I don't think that's so good for the shock. (laughs) Well, but the the other issue, right, is, I mean, if you if you don't limit it somehow, you could pop a, a spring or, or all kinds of things. I, you, they, they have limiting straps, but unfortunately, I don't have enough articulation that I need to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I would like more. So I'm actually in the boat where this is actually a real problem. So I, I've got the Metal Cloak three and a half inch lift on mine. And I recently went with the Fox Elite 2.5 shocks. And uh, Metal Cloak springs are notorious for, for running high. So I think we put a two and a half inch lift on a, on a buddy's JL Willys. And we got about five inches out of it, right? I mean, they, they run really high. And when you call Metal Cloak, they tell you, yeah, because they're designed to give you that inch of lift when you're fully armored and fully loaded and everything else to still be at that level. So when I got the shocks, the shop recommended, well, get the ones for the four inch lift instead of three and a half inch on there. That way you can compensate for that. Well, we went out wheeling this past weekend. And every time I got to a point where I was drooping that side, that wheel, those sh- the springs were just popping and moving and, and everything else, as you could tell, they were kind of unloading in that suspension too far. And, and I think it was because the shocks were kind of that, that bottom limiting point, and it was much further down than the old Fox 2.0s I used to have. So, you know, we're looking at ways to kind of fix that. I can't lift it any higher, otherwise it won't fit in the garage. So I don't want to go put taller springs on it or whatever, but 
you know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, do I need to put limiting straps on it? Do I need, so it was actually um, a question I asked Tony to put in there just because it was, it was a question I had, right? Looking for feedback. It's time for coilovers, John. <laughs> then the yeah, coilovers are limiting, the right? I just spent enough on these shocks, man. These shocks need to last me a while. <laughs> I don't want to out already. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know all about it, but I'm thinking limiting straps is the way to go. Yeah, I think the limiting straps probably going to have to go on there. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to see what all I can, I can do about it. I know, and I'm assuming in the past because I was surprised, but if you think about it, you shouldn't have been surprised that the shocks were the the droop limiter, right? That's that's what kept you from there. I, I don't know why I thought it was something else, but you know. Oh well, <laughs> I mean, you don't know until you know, right? I mean, sometimes you just have to sit there and look at it and go. Well, you know what? The shock is the thing that's keeping that thing from drooping down. I mean, if you uh, if you go to install a lift, you learn very quickly that the the shocks are a part of at least part of the limiting of getting that uh, axle down far enough to get the the new coils in there. You may be able to, uh, you know, if you're just like barely get to the point where they're unloading, you may be able to put in like some correction pads or something that'll, you know, add another you know half inch of a uh, you know filler in there right that's what we're gonna try first right but this, we're gonna, we're that's a good idea this right. is tony this is tony from michigan i know uh with my jk build i plan on going with adjustable actually the the mounts that the strap goes to it's uh i think it's steinager makes a a pretty cool mount that go, it's it, It'd be for where the top of the strap would mount. It's adjustable, so you can actually change it as you change your suspension, add different springs, change your lift. You don't have to buy new straps. You just adjust. But ultimately, I think my problem is I don't. I'm trying not to do this without adding something else under there. Because I mean, you can get to a point where you got so much crap under there getting hung up, or you got to worry about clearances and binding and everything else, and I'd much rather be able to do without limiting straps if possible, but if that, that was what Bill was just saying. He, he brought that up while we were out this weekend about possibly putting that, that pad in there. So I know Metal Cloak also makes something for the, the rear springs because my rear springs are, are bowing out to where they're actually touching the track bar uh, a little bit when they when they kind of compress a lot. So, um, but I think I'm going to go the route Bill just mentioned about putting that little rack thing on the top first because, Bill, I don't know about – if you could see differently when you were behind whatever, but I don't think that they were like literally coming loose and out of it. It just like they were. Yeah, moving. they just were unloading and it's starting to get a little loose. So I think if you add maybe that pad in there that adds like maybe another half inch, right? So maybe that's another thing you have to worry about though is if you're using your shock as a limiting strap, you're going to go through shocks a lot faster. They aren't really meant to take that, that almost impact of bottoming out or topping out if you will that was my fear that yeah you i know the i've got cheap shocks on my xj and i run no limiting straps and i blow through shocks granted they're cheap shocks but even the better shocks are going to take a harder beating than they're really designed for but when it comes to this as limiting straps as well when it comes to the shock being used as a limiter for the down travel, 
I mean, when and when are you going to do anything that's going to create a large jolt on the on that shock when it drops completely down? I mean, I can see for the for as when they're going when they're being compressed when they're being compressed. Then right. yeah, because if you go over a bump, I mean, you're hitting it you're hitting it up. But when it comes to the down travel, what are you going to be doing that's going to cause that to really have a large jolt going down? I mean, unless you're simply unless rolling you're, off one, I, I don't rock, see that articulation will do it every time. Rock ledge I mean, with one yeah, side. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't see that yeah. being. I don't. It's I don't see that being. A, I don't see I've, that being I've, a really large shock. I've been shock. wheels and stuff when I go off road all the time, and you know, I, <laughs> I can. I, yeah, but when you, when I you hung it, a, it wasn't a jolt. It was just you literally rolled. Mm, you were driving along yeah. and you rolled the vehicle, and it, and it it got to its limiting. To its ex furthest extended portion, I mean, it's not like it, it was a jolt. It well, Roger, you it know, would, what I'm trying to say it really depend on the terrain, wouldn't it? I mean, I understand what you're saying. That's kind of the way I look at it. But if there's a, a sudden drop off the rock, especially if you didn't anticipate it, uh, then it's going to the the axle is going to extend and the, the shock's going to stop it. And then but you also still got three other tires on three other tires that are on the ground that are. I mean, it's not like you know you're you're lifting up all four all four tires and dropping one on the ground i mean you still the other three are still going to be taken i guess i asked that because what vehicle most vehicles even a stock jeep they don't have anything the, the limiting factor is the shock so and if there the was a problem with that being twice break and break right lines. so but if yeah, it, yeah right yeah <laughs> but if, if that was if that was a serious problem i guess i would have thought that the jeep would have probably put something on there as a limiting factor to start with i'll, I'll go you know, back I to the i'll go back to the original statement that i think john made or maybe it was uh, chip that said it 95 percent of the people that own jeeps don't go off roads <laughs> so true unless you're unless you're cutting through the grass uh, off the freeway to get on the feeder road you're you're probably not doing anything that requires any limiting straps and most factory yeah. lift kits that you get when you buy a Jeep from the dealership, they will have limiting straps. I know my dad's oh, Mopar. Really? My dad's I'm Mopar not. two and a half inch had it. Mine didn't. Never had yeah, I didn't have one on mine, one, and I had a factory two inch lift on it. That's what I got. Huh. You know, and I, and I was also going to mention to John. Um, I wonder if you the whole the arm or it going down so far and making your spring loose i wonder if you didn't somewhat create that problem on your own because you said that because of the metal cloak springs being naturally taller than than uh you know others so you went with a shock that was longer oh yeah than, no, we did. so i mean the falcons the falcons for the ones that they have that are ranging from the three to, or the two to three and a half, or maybe it was the two to four or whatever it was, I actually measured what, or took the measurements of my shock compared to their shock, and they were roughly the same. It was an inch less up travel and an inch more down travel. Yeah, but well, I mean, well, the, the absolutely, absolutely, John is the reason for this. But that's the same for all of us that make modifications to our, our vehicles. It, no, and I say it all the time: no modification goes unpunished. And and, yeah. and the aftermarket industry is going, yeah, man, and modify it. Yeah, oh yeah, and you'll you, when they come back in six months. Oh yeah, you just need this. And, oh yeah, you just need this. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. <laughs> I can see the limiting strap being more more needed for for. 
keeping your springs in their buckets instead of the shock. Oh, that's absolutely right. And I, I just think you damage the shock every time that you use it as a limiting strap. And I think limiting straps are going to be a lot cheaper uh, than uh, than a shock. And if it's easy, I've never done one. I don't know where they go. I'll just say that up front. Uh, but just in my head, I think a limiting strap is going to be a lot easier to uh, to maintain and replace and everything else than a, a shock, especially if you have a high dollar shock. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's live and learn, right? So I got to oh, yeah. figure out. I mean, and then, so I, I, my plan right now is to try what what Bill was just mentioning there and put that up there and see if that kind of fixes the problem. And and if it doesn't, then maybe the answer is to just go back and get a shorter shock and and see if that you know kind of fixes it out or whatever. So, but I know, but I had not experienced that problem ever before. Swap the so- swap the shocks out, and now it's it's there, right? So, uh, but. On the flip side. So as you can hear, the uh, the Zoom meeting goes on sometimes for another hour or even two. So you should be here if for no other reason just to join in on the fun. Uh, we uh, we have uh, we we have some people on here that uh, get on and talk a lot about stuff. I mean, if you're uh, familiar with Greg Henderson of Unofficial Use Only, yeah, he was the guy that did the fifty uh, fifty uh, Quadratech uh, build out there at SEMA this past year. Uh, he gets on uh, and uh, talks about a lot of things that you guys might want to listen to. Uh, I know I really enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, every week, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time, and then we publish the show on Wednesday. Now, coming up uh, this week on Friday, we're going to be uh, interviewing Julianne of Wrangler Her, wranglerher.com. Uh, just a very fun, exciting person. It was, she was a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, she does uh, wheeling classes and uh, various things, teaching women about their Jeeps. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It doesn't take a lot of strength to press a gas pedal or a brake pedal to go off-road. So anybody should be able to do it. Well, anybody that legally can drive. Let's, let's just say that. <laughs> So we had a total of 13 people in the Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, John, Larry, Steve, Jimmy, uh, Tony, uh, Greg has just shown up. I'm going to give him a hard time for not being here for the whole show, but he's probably got a good excuse. Uh, Bill, Gary, Roger, uh, Chip, uh, Josh, and you know him from uh, the, the regular episodes, uh, are all here, and uh, Matt from Indiana. So thank you, uh, each and every one of you guys, for taking your time to show up here, and uh, hope you have a great uh, Christmas and a great weekend. Uh, it's going to be neat having Christmas on the weekend this year, I think. So keep in mind that in you, when you visit the roundtable Zoom meeting, it can be habit-forming. Keep that in mind. You might get uh, roped into being here every week. Broadcasting since 2010.